Good morning, church. Good morning, Good morning. It's a beautiful day that uh, God has presented to us. Um, we are certainly benefactors of his loving kindness um, in that uh, he has given us the ability to be here this morning uh, to worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, each day is not promised to us. We know that. Um, we know that there are a number of people who... Um, some we know, some we don't, that uh, just did not see the day as we had. I want to talk a little bit about, um, uh, well, first, before I get into that, I just want to say, while I have everyone's undivided attention, um, the Wednesday Bible class will be reading from John chapter 8. Um, so if, uh, if you have a note, just write that down for yourself. John chapter 8 will be our 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 text for our midweek uh, uh, call. Um, so got that out of the way. Um, this morning we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, a love and truth. And I, I have done this lesson before. Um, so if there's some of the verses are the same, well, it's just a refresher. Um, but uh, I do also want to take a, a just a little bit of a different uh, outlook on it. Not an outlook, but a different angle uh, on this lesson uh, this morning. Um, there are a lot of things going on in this world, we know. Um, you know, if you, if you read, uh, listen to the news or, you know, read a newspaper, what's a newspaper? Um, you'll, you'll know that there are quite a bit of things going on. Um, and the newspaper <clears throat> does do some you know, some positive community-based pieces. You know, they, they don't put it on the front page um, all the time. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, but most oftentimes, it's, it's the, the attention grabbers, those things that appeals to our, our human sense of curiosity and, and danger. Um, you know, all of us wanna, wanna get those endorphins pumping into our body. And, <clears throat> I was, uh, if you remember, endorphins is, is released into the body. It's a hormone, rather, that's released into the body, you know, in those moments of pleasure. And whether it's, you know, having worked out, whether if it's eating chocolate cake, um, whether it's watching your favorite sports team or your favorite player hit a home run, you know, those are those feelings of, of happiness not joy, but those feelings of happiness is an emotion, excuse me, a chemical response inside the body. That's your body pumping hormones because your brain is saying that I should feel a certain way. And when we read, uh, you know, when you, when you see these headlines, um, I'm sure all of us don't feel happiness, um, certainly because our brains are telling us that, you know, we have compassion for others. Um, you know, we have empathy, um, maybe we even have sympathy, meaning we have personal experiences of a, of a similar manner, so we know how they feel because we've lived it before. Um, but even that is an emotional, is a chemical response. It's hormones pumped into your body via your brain telling you you need to feel a certain way. I'm not saying that's all bad, because that's part of God's um, infinite design for us as creatures um, as we were formed out of the, the dust of the earth. Uh, but 
One thing I do want to highlight here is we'll look at in Luke, the sixth chapter, starting at verse number 27, is that our culture does, um, does quite a bit of programming with our brains. Um, and I want to talk about this, this programming just a, just a few moments by looking at um, Luke's account of, the, uh, of a conversation that Christ has with the multitude, in particular with his disciples. <clears throat> he says in Luke, the sixth chapter, starting at verse number 27, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. You know, the in the in the first part of that, as you know, Christ is giving his directions to his disciples. He says, uh, um, "Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so for so did their fathers to the false prophets." You know, there, there is a, a little bit of social programming that we all get as human beings. We all, I guess, if you will, understand, um, and I don't, well, let me, let me kind of be a little bit more clear. When we were kids, we were told that if somebody gives you a compliment, what do you say? You smile and you say thank you. Right? Where we were socially programmed from the from a very young age that we return a compliment. We return good tidings. Um, with what? A a smile and a thank you. It's supposed to we are to, I guess if you will, receive that compliment in good in, in glad tidings, mm -hmm. and then return a glad tiding with a smile and a thank you. Now, when we were kids as well, Mama told us that if somebody uh, does something to you, what do you do? You don't take it. You, what, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? Well, that isn't explicitly what's been communicated, but implicitly it is, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, if somebody hits you, you strike them back. Maybe not right then and there, maybe you take a few steps back, but if they continue to come forward, that's when you, you do what you got to do. My mom used to tell me all the time, don't come home and be mean to your sisters if you're going to let those kids at school beat you up. So what did I do? I went and beat up the kids at school so I could come home and be mean to my sisters. <laughs> well, that's the rationale I had in my brain at the time. But that's all a part of this social programming that we get. And Jesus is trying to with his disciples and there's you can go to Matthew the fourth chapter and read another account of uh, the Beatitudes um, um, what is it uh, uh, Matthew the fifth chapter my apologies um, where he talks uh, about the Beatitudes as well um, but what he's trying to get his disciples to understand is that all of the social programming that you have gotten since you were a child, since you were a young adult, since you were a man, you got to throw that out the window. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I say unto you, which here, which here, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you. So instead of, 
you know, returning a glad, or excuse me, instead of returning an evil tiding, you know, a, uh, a punch or a kick or a sour word or something um, that uh, would, would be in its social programming context be a bad thing, we are to return that with good tidings. You know, if somebody strikes you, we literally have to smile and say thank you. Mm -hmm. But that isn't in the context of what uh, we have all learned as little as, as young ones. I, I would I would say that you know I'm guilty of it as well. Um, you know, I want my kids to be successful. I don't want them to be harmed in any way, shape, or form. So I have trained them since then. They were little people, both to be spiritually minded and also to understand um, social norms and brother people kind of messed me up this morning with his prayer um, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you picked up on it but I certainly did he he prayed that our children would not conform to the ways of this world mm -hmm. so that when they're out there amongst their friends that they will be lights yes. to the world and that Amen. speaks really to um, you know what what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 4 right after he gives the Beatitudes is being a light to the world mm -hmm. um, and so that's where I want to I want to touch on this morning is that we really do have to throw away all of the things that we understand to be normal mm -hmm. um, from a social sense and really take on the abnormal I'm using you know, using that word from the perspective of the world, right. but the abnormal um, thoughts and mindsets of Jesus the Christ. Amen. He goes on to say in verse number 28 of Luke the 6th chapter, he says, Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you, and unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek offer also the other. For him that taketh away thy clothes forbade not Forbid not to take thy coat also. Mm -hmm. Give to every man that asketh of, thee, asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Mm -hmm. And for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. But if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And, you know, that's where I, I want to, I want to, I'll stop right there because I want to read the rest of this passage because I think it's meaningful um, to the lesson as well. Is, is what is love? Mm -hmm. Love is not a reciprocation of love received. Okay, let me clarify that for a second. Meaning, the love that I don't give love, or love isn't dependent on me receiving love in return. Amen. What it means is, is that love is something that has been that is a part of my spiritual DNA. Um, and if you don't know that, go to First uh, John where it talks about love. It says that God is love. Mm -hmm. And we are, we have God in us. We have his Holy Spirit. Um, he, uh, our Father, um, 
because he is our father, rather, we have his spiritual DNA, and that spiritual DNA is agape love, godly love. Um, so I, I liken that in this context that when I show love or, or give love, it's not because I've gotten it from somebody else or from you, right. but that it was given to me as a gift. John 3.16, we all know, well, for God so loved the world that he gives only begotten Son, um, so that those who believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know, this gift of love that was given to us by God, we in turn are, 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 are called to pay it forward. Right. And if you look at what uh, um, Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 about you know, so what if you love them who love you? So what if you do good to them who do good to you? Sinners do the same exact thing. It is logical, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's not abnormal. It's not special um, for your love, to, for, for you to repay the love that you've received. Sinners do that. But what makes us different or what should make us different? He says in verse number 35, <clears throat> But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. You see about this non-reciprocal meaning, the love that we give is not love that we should hope to ever receive in return. Mm -hmm. Love should, as far as we are concerned, as Christians, should go in one direction. You see how um, this works here is it's a circle. And uh, for those of you on the, on the phone, I'm drawing a circle. And uh, the circle only goes in one direction. This is, uh, let's say this is a circle of love. Mm -hmm. So you may ask, well, how do I get love? How do I get love back? If I'm giving all of my love, how do I get it back? Mm -hmm. Well, inevitably you will. Right? This, this love is a wheel that's ever turning. Mm -hmm. It's going in one direction. And if it starts here, inevitably what's going to happen? It's going to come right back to you. Mm -hmm. How do we know this? Well, the scripture tells us, and this is where we'll go to 1 John. If you have your Bibles, uh, you're flipping over to uh, 1 John. Uh, 1 John, the third chapter. <clears throat> says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. You know, the Father has bestowed upon us this love, but what manner of love is it? Is how uh, verse number, excuse me, verse number one of 1 John, the third chapter starts off. It goes on to say that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it do not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, for we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. It goes on to say uh, in verse number seven, let little children let no man deceive you that he, he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Let's look at uh, verse number 10. 
It says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of, de of the devil. Whosoever doeth not the righteous doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And so if you look at this, this wheel here, it's 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 reciprocal in its nature in that we are bestowed love, which makes us a part of his beloved. And this love of God empowers us to do righteousness. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we are righteous, um, even we have righteousness or do righteousness, even as we are righteous. But where it comes back around in this latter part, you can see here that we are the children of God when we what? Not just do the righteousness of God, but also show love for our brother. Right. You know, the, uh, you know, uh, what is it? First John, the fourth chapter and verse number seven says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So love is, is like a wheel. Um, but it only goes in one direction. It should only go in one direction. But that wheel started when? The wheel started when Christ got on the cross for each and every one of our sins. Mm -hmm. If you have your Bibles, <clears throat> let's go back to uh, Luke, the uh, sixth chapter and uh, finish off um, 30, verse 35 and 36. Again, he says, Jesus says in verse 35, But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. So how do we how do we learn how do we get rid of the social programming of the world? And again, reflecting back to what First John says about the love of the world, what what's in the love of the world? What's encapsulated in the love of the world? The lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, and the pride of my life. It's all self-centered, meaning that the love doesn't go out. But the love comes in. I'm consuming. It's like a heat sink. You know, each and every human being on the planet Earth that is not that has not accepted the godly love is soaking up all the world's love. I'm going to give a few headlines to you. Um, right across town, a bunch of kids got into a big old fight at uh, a local high school, right? right? Mm -hmm. And they are literally hitting and kicking each other in the face. Right. Um, we, we know of you know, what happened just a little bit ago and, uh, and, and certainly we need to pray for those families <coughs> that uh, lost loved ones in uh, Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo. Thank you, brother. Mm -hmm. um, because some guy came into, um, came in, went to a grocery store because he hated another type of person and just spill innocent blood. Why? 
You know why? I think it's because we're all of these self-centered people are soaking up all the love in the world. <laughs> There's not enough love to go around anymore because the love is going somewhere. And for those who um, are who don't know God, as we just got through reading, um, those who hate their brother are those that are soaking up all the all the love. It's like, you know, they're born to this earth. They have a mom and a dad. Those mom, those parents show that child love. And they just soak up all the love and they keep it for themselves. They don't give it out. They just soak it up. And when they soak it up, what do they give in return? If they're not able to give love, what do they give in return? If they're not able to give love, what are they able to give in return? Because the only thing that they can give in return is hate. So instead of exuding love, they exude hate. And that's what prompts kids who come from loving homes to go to school and beat and kick each other in the face. Because they've been socially programmed to do this. So how does the world, how, how, did, how do we as Christians, how can we learn, you know, lessons to the contrary? Well, this is where I'll, I'll go to the, uh, uh, the scripture reading this morning. And this is extremely, extremely important for all of us who are members of the body of Christ to keep in mind um, as, as we go about our walk this upcoming week. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse number one, Paul starts off this letter to the church at Ephesus. Oh, and by the way, um, the church at Ephesus, as all other congregations at this time, were of mixed heritage. Mm -hmm. it, it, it wasn't a monolith of one particular type of people. It was a hodgepodge of multiple types of people. There were Jews, Gentiles, there were rich and poor, you know, light skin, darker skin. You know, this is what was common in the first century. And I'm saying that with emphasis. Sister Bill. Look around this room. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying something. Look around this room. Do you see the same type of people? Some of us are a little bit more well-off than others. That's, that's fine. Some of us are older than others. But generally speaking, we're all relatively the same. In the church of Corinth, church at Ephesus, the church in Galatia, certainly. It wasn't like that. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying something. Right? I'm not saying it, I'm not saying bad or good. I'm just saying something for your, for your consideration. But I, go, I don't want to go too far off on, on that being pat, but look here at what Paul says in his epistle to the church at Ephesus. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. What is your vocation? 
Well, Paul tells uh, uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy, uh, the fourth chapter, um, and I'll read that for you. Please don't turn away from the book of Ephesus because we're going to come right back to it. Um, he says, uh, it, 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, he tells Timothy, you know, to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke with all long suffering. Uh, he goes on to say, um, you know, do the work of an evangelist in verse number five. Make full proof of my ministry. What is your vocation as, as, a, uh, as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, your vocation is a number of different things. But your vocation simply is predicated on a job requirement. All of us who have worked, you know, that job has a list of expectations. There's only two expectations on the job description as a Christian. Number one is that, that you love God with all your height. Excuse me, not your height. <laughs> That's not what I meant to say. You love God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit. I mean, that is a deep and intense love and affection to please God. That's the first job description. The second job description is like unto the first. Mm -hmm. That as I show love for God, I should also show love for others because God's loved me first. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he didn't just love me with just a superficial love. He actually sacrificed a part of himself in the form of his son Jesus for me while I was yet an enemy of his. So Paul says that we are to walk worthy of that vocation wherewith we are called. We are to do it with all lowliness, mm -hmm. with meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And in the process of doing so, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, we are to walk worthy of those two job descriptions that I just mentioned to you. We are to do it with humility, mm -hmm. with meekness, mm -hmm. with consideration, with long-suffering, mm -hmm. um, with compassion, and in doing so, endeavoring, trying to be purposeful about keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, the Spirit, you know, what unity in the, uh, of the Spirit? It's not that the Spirit, we're trying to keep the Spirit together as one. No, 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 that's not the thing. We are trying to keep our spiritual minds in, and I've you, I mentioned this before in my lessons, right? Keep our spiritual minds aligned with the Spirit of God in the bond of peace. What's the opposite of peace? Chaos. What's the opposite of peace? War. Discontent. Scripture says in uh, um, James, 
first chapter says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I thought about that deeply this past week. What does it mean to be double-minded? And, and I'll get back to Ephesians, I promise. But what does it mean to be double-minded? It's not that I'm crazy. Well, maybe you are. Um, <laughs> but I'm not clinically insane, right? I'm not. I don't have, um, you know, split personalities. When I when I read that verse, um, based on you know my studies, I, I, I in my brain, and I'm going to step out of the pulpit here for a second and just speak to you as Brother Garner. When I read that, I think of it as somebody who has competing intentions. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I intend to do things in this environment, in these circumstances, but I intend to do another thing in this environment with these sets of circumstances. I'll give you a great example. I'll use me. Um, when I come into worship, when I, when I wake up on the Lord's day, right? 12.01 a.m. I intend to be able to uh, word isn't coming to me. I intend to be able to uh, righteously, faithfully in the right mind and the right spirit partake of my Lord's body and his shed blood. 12.01 Monday morning my intentions are completely different. I intend to go to work and make it through the day. <laughs> I intend to, you know, you're, you get my point here is that a man, a single-minded man, and we've all been around single-minded people, is they focus on the exact same thing every single day. Their intentions are hyper-focused on that thing doesn't matter what, what day they wake up. doesn't matter what is going on. They are single-minded in, in, in what they do in their actions of their body. And I would say, how powerful would it be if every single day you woke up intending to be able to faithfully and righteously partake of the Lord's body and His shed blood? Think about it for a second. If every single day I thought if today were the first day of the week, I want to be able to partake of his body in a righteous manner all the time. James talks about, you know, he says, you know, to, to bless and to curse with the same mouth is unnatural. It should not be the case. So going back to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. It gives a new mindset as to the reason why Paul went into the oneness or the singularity of the body, the spirit, the hope of our calling, the oneness of the Lord, the oneness of faith, the oneness of baptism, the oneness of God himself, the father of all who is above all and through all and in us all. We just got the reading about purity in 1 John. 
And we are to be 100% pure, righteous children of God. And the only way we're going to get there is where, we, where we'll start from the scripture reading. Again, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 13. Before that, Paul says that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why is that? Well, for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And in verse number 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, I'm going to go through this real quick because I know we're short on time. But what is the stature of the fullness of Christ? Well, go back and read about his passion. Or the passion of Christ as it is commonly referred to um, today. Go, up, go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where it talks about the scourging of Jesus Christ. It talks about the fact that he was, star he was beaten, he was starved, he was not given any food, he was not given any sleep, he was paraded through the town, he was spat upon, called every name in the book, they placed a, thorn, a crown of thorns on his head. They, they took him outside the city, put him up on a, on a cross. They nailed stakes into each hand and through his feet and allowed him to suffocate until he died. Except Jesus didn't suffocate quickly enough. So they said, fine, he needs to suffocate quicker. So what did they do? They broke both of the man's legs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that he would suffocate quicker. Mm -hmm. Except he didn't suffocate that quick, right? So, they, so what did they do? They took a knife and pierced his side so that while he was suffocating, he would lose his strength via the loss of blood and thus die quicker. This is what human beings did to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we talk about the fullness and the stature of Jesus, or the stature of the fullness of Christ, is that he went through all of that yes. without cursing, without Amen. crying out, yes. without pleading for help. How many of us would do that? What does society tell us we should do when that type of thing happens to us? We should be filled with hate instead of exuding love as Christ did even in this moment where he was tormented to the nth degree. What did Jesus do? He prayed to his Father that what? He prayed to his Father for forgiveness, not for himself, but for all of us. It goes on to say in verse number 14 that, you know, as we, 
as we receive this edification, right, as we learn more, as we are taught more in Bible classes and our Sunday morning worship, as we engage one another in discussions about the Bible towards edifying, as we all strive to grow in unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and thus throwing away all these other social norms that we grew up with, it says in verse number 14 that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. It says in verse number 16, For whom the whole body fit joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This I say therefore and test upon the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, Hammering the understanding darkened, being, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to walk, to work all in cleanliness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. We are to be renewed, as it says in verse number 23, in the spirit of our mind. Mm -hmm. We are different now. We have a different DNA now. We don't have the DNA of our fathers and our mothers, our uncles, aunts, grandparents, whatever the case may be. We have the DNA of Christ and God themselves. Amen. So we have to stop thinking like the world thinks. We have to start thinking like Christ thought and thinks. Christ did nothing for his own benefit. He did everything for the benefit of others. Christ, while we were, while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. While we were his enemies, he loved us. He didn't soak up love. He gave it. As a matter of fact, the only love that he accepted was the love of his father. And that was good enough for him, and that should be good enough for each and every one of us. Love should go out, and as we just got the reading, you know, about speaking the truth in love, that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Is as we're out there in the world, as, as we are lights to the world, we need to speak the truth in the type of love that we see typified in the life of Jesus Christ. He was not a respecter of persons. He gave it to anybody and anyone who wanted to hear it. <coughs> now, there's a way to speak the truth in hate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Look at uh, Diotrephes. In what is that, 3rd John? Mm -hmm. 
He spoke the truth and hate. Okay, maybe you're not grasping that. What about Satan in the Garden of Eden? When he said, thou shalt not surely die. He said that he spoke the truth, right? I mean, he said, thou shalt not surely die. They didn't die at that moment. So he was not lying. But he spoke the truth in hate. And it did not edify Adam nor Eve. But when they speak the truth in love, it builds people up. It doesn't tear them down. And that's what we should be all about. Because the love, the, this world needs more love in it. And guess what? We are the only people on the planet Earth that can give it. Now you may say, well, that, how is that the case? Go back and read the New Testament Scripture. If you are not a child of God, if you have not accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you can't know the love of God. Amen. Because God has got to be in you in order to know it. And this isn't Thomas Garner. This is in the book. Right. Don't, don't, you know, yes. crucify me. Well, I guess I, I, I should be willing to go to that cross. But I guess what I'm saying is, is don't kill the messenger. Amen. Jesus, God, the apostles, through the inspiration of God, wrote these words. I didn't come up with it. And it very plainly says that if you're not in God, then you don't know his love. And the only way to get in God, because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to God except through him except through Christ, and the only way to get to God is to go through Christ. And what does Christ say? Christ tells us that you have to hear, you have to believe, you have to repent, you have to confess, and you have to be baptized in order to be added to the family of God through, his, uh, through, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the lesson is yours this morning. Um, don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. If you're here and you need prayers um, to do that, if you um, have issues with bitterness, with wrath, with anger, with evil speakings, with, you know, whether they say, uh, uh, loose mouth, right? Um, as it says in verse 32 of Ephesians, the 5th chapter, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So the lesson is yours. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you have the need um, and the urge to request a prayer, uh, the floor will be yours after we stand and sing song number 607. 607.